Hello and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am so glad that you are here. If you are here for the very first time, welcome. I am so glad that you have found me. Um, And if you have been here before with me, welcome back to our community. This is a place where I strive to help women and men that are experiencing struggles with infertility, loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy, and we also, I want to help you with the heavy grief that are associated with those. I create space here for stories to be shared and connections to happen. Your happiness is very important to me, and it is also important to me that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do me a couple things. I would love for you to first connect with me on social media, both on Instagram and Facebook. I am at Living After Grief and also at Women Connect and Support. We share different information and resources on both of those platforms, so connect on both. Again, Living After Grief, and the other one is Women Connect and Support, both Instagram and Facebook. And then next, I would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on the podcast. You can do one of two things, um, different things to get in contact with me. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook, We'll definitely see it there. Or you can go to my website at livingaftergrief.com and click on the link to schedule a time to talk. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear feedback and suggestions that you may have for the podcast. And I would love to allow you to share your story. And if you have had a loss, I would love to hear about your baby. Hey, I would like to share with you really quick before we get into the episode for today that as a grief coach, I work with clients that are experiencing struggles with infertility, early or late miscarriages, stillbirths, or infant loss. After such profound loss, a woman desires to feel whole again for her family, friends, and most of all, for herself. To experience grief in a healthy way, One has to learn how to navigate through it. It takes time to learn how to live in the new normal. A coach like myself can help you in ways loved ones may not be able to. I am here to walk alongside you to find the hope, laughter, and joy in your life again without the blame and the guilt. I have a better understanding of grief and the necessary mixture of human emotions that come with it and push through to engage in life again so you can so I can help you navigate through those triggers that are keeping you locked inside physically and emotionally life can and will be good again so if you would like to set up a time with me i would love to talk to you just click the link on my website at www.livingaftergrief.com to schedule a time to talk over the phone. And I look forward to hearing from you soon.
Hello, Rebecca. Welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I'm so glad that you're able to join me today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to you sharing your story. Um, I know you had um, quite a bit of infertility struggles, so I'm glad that you're able to share that and help the audience that they can hear your story. But before we get into all of that, I want you to share with the listeners, who is Rebecca? So I think that's a, that's a great question, and I feel like with infertility, sometimes we lose ourselves in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, we just have to think about, like, who am I? Um, infertility doesn't define me. Um, so I'm a wife. Um, I'm a mother. I'm an aunt. I'm a daughter. I'm, I'm a granddaughter. Um, I am me. I am uniquely me. So I think that's mm-hmm. a, I, um, a big part of your infertility journey is realizing who you are too. Yeah, you're right. A lot of times it, we feel like it defines us, yeah. you know, things that happen to us, but they really don't are, you know, don't define us. So hobbies that you have, if there are any. But I I love um, arts and crafts. I love to paint. Um, I love to make things. I like to um, be outside. Um, We have bikes. So I take my daughter bike riding. Um, So really, you know, as as a mom, my hobbies are geared towards my children. Sure. (laughs) Of course. For for me, a lot of self-care is I love coloring. So I love adult color books. Um, that's really my go-to is um, just sitting down with a coloring book and taking my Sharpies and coloring. <laughs> I love that. I have some of those. I keep saying I'm going to do that, and I need to make sure that I put that on the schedule and start doing that because I, I've heard from several people that it's very relaxing, it's very therapeutic, it it's very good um, self-care and yeah, I have it, and it's right there by the in the living room when I do sit down to see, watch TV, which is rare. But I maybe need to move it into a different space because I don't go to that space very often. So mm-hmm. that that might be our problem. Thanks for the the yeah. uh, the <laughs> helping me rationalize that and figure that out. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so I like I had already mentioned, you know, and you had mentioned infertility really was um, part, a big part of your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so if you can share with us your journey. Sure. Um, so really even before I got married to my husband, I knew I had fertility problems. Um, okay. My periods were never regular. Um, I sought out an OBGYN before I was even pregnant, and they diagnosed me with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm. And um, they, you know, basically said, you know, you're probably going to have to get help getting pregnant. So when the time is right, um, just let us know, and you know, we'll refer you to a reproductive endocrinologist. And I was like, okay. So got married, um, was married a couple years, and we decided, you know, hey, we want to expand our family. So. I um and I am type one diabetic, so I first um had to get my diabetes in um, very strict control before my um, endocrinologist would refer me. So I worked on that, and once we got it to a really great place, um, they referred me to a reproductive endocrinologist at um, WashU. Okay. So we saw them, 
and they did. They confirmed my polycystic ovarian syndrome diagnosis, and um, we sat down with an um, an RE. I'm going to call it. So I'm just going to like shorten it. Sure. <laughs> and they uh, and he put put together a game plan. So this was back in um, December of 2016 is when we first started our journey. Okay. So we um, since we had our plan in place, um, we had to do some all of like our initial testing, blood work. Um, my husband had to do testing. I had to do some testing. Um, we found out that and we and, and you know you have this vision in, in your brain that, oh, my gosh, you know, I have this game plan. I'm going to go in the next month. I'm going to be pregnant. This is going to be oh. great. And it doesn't happen. Oh. And it's always was, good to have a plan, but with I, it is. infertility. <laughs> infertility shows no mercy. It, it, no. It, it does not, you know, it, it doesn't move by your timeline. Mm-mm. So we found out um, when my blood test came back and showed that my booster for rubella was no longer, um, like, I guess, active in my body. And oh. rubella during pregnancy is very bad, very bad if, you, if you get it. So I had mm-hmm. to get a tighter shot. And you can't get pregnant within 30 days of that. So that pushed us back another month. Um, we had issues with our insurance, which pushed, which, which pushed us back a little bit as well, another month. Mm. So we didn't get started until March of um, 20, no, sorry, 17? Nope. Let me push it back. We started in December 2015. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Let me, let me change okay. the date. No. Okay. <laughs> Trying to think back, you know. Um, yeah, so then yeah. we, we started um, in March of 2016. Um, so our initial um, treatment plan was to do what's called an interuterine insemination. Mm-hmm. Basically, okay. when you think of like, it's like a turkey baster. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, they, um, so they told us they do three of these, and then if those don't work, then we move to IVF. And I was like, okay, great. Like we, sh- you know, my um, issues were with me, not with my husband. So we were very okay. optimistic um, that this would, that the IUIs would work. Um, mm-hmm. All of our tests came back positive, normal. Everything was great. The only issue we had was the polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Okay. So they did the um, the interuterine insemination, the IUIs, and um, we did one. We did March, April, and May, and none of them worked. Mm. So each month we went through the cycle and it didn't work. So our doctor called us um, at the end of May and was like, hey, listen, we only do three of these. It's not working. We need, we need to move to IVF. And, mm-hmm. you know, to hear that is, is a pretty devastating thing to hear because you feel oh, like yeah. your body has failed you. Like this should be natural. This should be, this should be happening. You know, I have this treatment plan. This is how it works. And it didn't. Um, so we, so, so did, then, did they indicate, sorry, did they indicate why they didn't think it worked? No. Was it the didn't. PCOS or anything Everything, at this point? They didn't know. No, because okay. every, okay. all my tests came back normal. I yeah. ovulated. I mean, all the, everything was, was on par. Okay. Um, I have my suspicions that, um, my, what was it, um, progesterone level wasn't sufficient enough to sustain a pregnancy. Okay. But okay. for IUIs, they don't put you on um, any type of progesterone. 
which right. I don't really know why, but that's just the protocol. Yeah. So at the end of May, we talked to the doctor, and we decided to proceed with IVF. Mm-hmm. So we had to, again, go back through insurance, so that put us back to, um, so we almost kind of took the summer off, essentially. And in the meantime, we did what's called um, timed intercourse. So I still kept on my medication, and we just, um, we did timed intercourse instead of an IUI. Okay. Um, didn't work throughout the summer, so we're still proceeding through with IVF, getting our insurance in line, and we did our first IVF cycle in August of 2016. I had my um, my retrieval on, I believe it was August 31st, and then we had um, 21 eggs retrieved, and of those 21 eggs, we ended up with four um, black cysts that we could um, put back for embryos that we could put back. Yeah, that so always could... just surprises me. Yes. That just in itself, like all of these, all the eggs that mm-hmm. they just don't fertilize, they don't make it. I mean, that, I say this all the time, you know, children are miracles, really. Yes. When you think about in, in a controlled environment, the, the statistics, you know, so the the eggs that don't fertilize, it's like, oh, it's a miracle where any of us are here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so you had four that yes, made it. We okay. had four that made it. So we okay. chose um, to put two back, and we did that on Labor Day, actually. Okay. And so we went in and did a, a a transfer. We put two back, and then we had the dreaded two-week wait, as mm-hmm, they call it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I always ask people, do, do you do the pregnancy test or did you uh, wait? Of course we did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not wait. Nope, nope, not for me. I'm not sure that I have found anyone yet that waited to say it. I need no. to start really doing a tally, but I'm pretty no, sure there's I, not anybody that's waited. Right. I started testing at five days um, past my transfer. Um, I saw a very faint line and was like, you know, okay. Um, yeah, maybe we, it might be. So I gave it another day. So I tested at six days um, past my transfer, and there was a blatant line there. It was pink. It was there. And I was like, okay, I I think I'm pregnant, like I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, still, because this was kind of like my first time, so I was like, you know, is, is, mm-hmm. is this true, like, is this what it means, and um, so we uh, we were at a car, we went to a Cardinals game that day, and, went, and we went with my um, husband's parents, and we knew we were pregnant, but we didn't, t- we didn't tell them, we didn't say anything to anybody at, at the game. So it was kind of like mm-hmm. we had like a little secret going on. It was it was cute. Um, so I took a digital that came up and it said pregnant, and I was in disbelief. I was like, "What? Like, really? Is this true? I'm like, oh, oh, I think it is. Okay." So I like showed my <laughs> husband. We were so excited. So we um we went over and we showed my parents like right away because we can't keep a secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was curious if you you got that and if you still waited to go to the doctor, but you told them before you even went back yes. to yes. get everything confirmed. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and we told his parents as well. And then we, um, I called my doctor like the next day because I think it was a Sunday. 
And I called on my dad and said, hey, I have a positive pregnancy test. And they're like, oh, you still have to wait to your blood test, though, mm. <laughs> before we do anything. I was like, okay. So I had to wait another six days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept testing, just kept testing. <laughs> and, you know, just seeing that line get darker. Because it's, it's really, for me, it was, it was um, you know, my anxiety was lower. So I want to know what's going on. Like, am I, should I get excited about this pregnancy? Should I not get excited about this pregnancy? And the lines just kept getting darker, 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 darker. And I was like, okay, this is good. So I went in for my blood test. Um, I had a positive beta. So they do. Um, and then I went back a week later and my beta had, you know, doubled is what they want to um, see. And went in for the ultrasound, had a healthy heartbeat, and then we graduated um, to our doctor, and we had a um, a baby girl. Her name is Mila. Um, we had her mm. on April 13th of 2017. Um, she came six weeks early. I had um, preeclampsia. Oh. So she spent 13 days in the NICU and got to come home, and she is going to be five in April. So she is fantastic. She is perfect and healthy. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, thank so you. I have one question that a lot of times, and because we talked about kind of protocol, a lot of times they will do um, the uh, fertility drugs and then the IUI, and then the IVF. Did they, they went, because probably your PCOS, did they just go straight to um, IUI and then IVF? Uh, yeah. So okay. We, okay. Yeah. We took like um, ovulating drugs, but not any type of like injectables or anything until we got okay. the IVF. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and every doctor's protocol seems to be just a little, little bit different, but most of it, them are are pretty close to the same. Yes. And then they're also tailored to you, too. So whatever your diagnosis yeah. is, whatever your body needs, um, it, so it's really, it's it's all individualized. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exciting. You have yeah. a little girl. Okay. And she's five, you said. She is five. Yeah. So, so, it, had, so is that it? Now you still nope. had two embryos. Yes. We had two that embryos were, left That were over. frozen. Okay. Yes, they were. Yep. So okay. then um, about 18 months after she was born, we decided to um, contact the fertility clinic again, and we wanted to have a sibling. And so all we had to do was um, do what's called a frozen transfer. We just we had to prep my body to um, mm-hmm. do another transfer. So I had to um, take some um, fertility drugs again to um, kind of suppress my system and prepare for a transfer. Mm-hmm. And so we did that in November of 2018, and we had transferred two embryos. Oh no, we didn't. Sorry, we when we went for the transfer, they defrosted both the embryos, and one of the embryos um, arrested, so it died. And then mm-hmm. the other one we transferred. We only transferred one, um, and that one didn't make it. So we had mm-hmm. a um, a failed transfer. So. With that, we didn't have mm. any more embryos. Back, back to square one. Yes, and we couldn't afford to do a round of IVF because we didn't have um, the insurance at the time. My husband switched jobs, and it, it didn't. Um, he didn't like have the coverage anymore. Yeah. So, so did you guys take a little time to try to 
I would assume that you did, just to naturally become pregnant? Or you um, went straight to the IVF? Knowing that, yeah. Well, we've never prevented, so okay. We, so, yeah, we yeah. never we we knew we we couldn't get pregnant on our own. So yeah, we've we've never okay. ever <laughs> prevented. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. So we had to wait. You were indicating. I'm sorry, cut you off there. Uh, wait, oh, okay. and for um insurance, new job, and all of that. Correct? Is that what you're yeah. indicating? Okay. So November 2018, um, we were um. We found it had failed, so we just at that point we're just like, okay, there's nothing more we can do right now. Um, we're just gonna, you know, be happy we have her and mm-hmm. see what see what the future brings. So my husband, uh, meanwhile, has been trying to get on um, a new job, and this job would provide us with fertility benefits again. So mm. um, we found out a year later that he got that job. So he started um, a job in in 2019. And this job provided fertility benefits. And we're like, okay, well, we're maybe in a couple months, let's let's get our ducks in a row. Um, again, you know, had to make sure my diabetes was under control again, you know, just making sure that I was healthy, um, so my body could, you know, sustain a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And um, then COVID hit. So. Oh, yeah. Yes. Then there's that. <laughs> yes. So there's, there's another, you know, blip in the. Yeah, yeah, and everything um, kind of got put on hold. Yeah, for for any of that. So yeah, so mm. we just kind of sat and waited because um, the clinic, our clinic, shut down and didn't open up until summer 2020. And we called and they said, "Well, we're working on um, the transfers that um, got canceled because of COVID first, so we'll we'll put you on a list." And mm. so we actually um, got in and did. Because uh, we had to do a whole another retrieval whole process. We didn't get that done until October of um, 2020. And okay. we did a whole brand new retrieval with that. So we only got um, five eggs retrieved on that cycle. Okay. And no, sorry. We got nine. We got nine on that cycle. <laughs> I've done so many. I get them confused. I know. Uh, I, I'm you're doing great. Yeah. I'm not sure I would be able to keep track of all of those <laughs> dates and times and how many. And yeah, it's a lot. So, okay. So we got nine. Um, so mm-hmm. that cycle, we didn't have much luck. So they ended up, um, they, everyone ended up dropping off pretty, pretty suddenly. I think of the mm. nine, we only had a couple that fertilized. And so they called us on day three and was like, listen, they're not doing well. We want to just go ahead and implant two and just see how they do in you. And I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's give them the best shot they can get because back in, you know, in your own body, they, that's where they thrive. Yes. So I was like, let's do that. So we did that. So I impatiently waited, I think, nine days to take a test on that time because um, they went back sooner than a five-day. Right. Okay. I got, I had a negative pregnancy test um, and a negative beta, and then the rest of our um, our eggs made it to um, the stage in which they could freeze them. So we had we got nothing from that cycle. Mm. So I I we talked to the doctor and I was like I wanted to go right back into it. I didn't want to wait. So I was like let's do it. Let's do back to back retrievals because I have uh, read research that indicates that back to back retrievals um, can be 
good for your body because you have some extra um, kind of medicine in there helping your body with, mm. like, with the eggs. So it's okay. like leftover. So I was like, nope, let's do it. Let's, let's, I, you know, I'm, I'm pushing my time limit here on age, so I don't really mm. want to wait a whole lot longer. Yeah. Um, and well, and you've so, waited. You've waited yeah. all that time, you know, yeah. so totally understand that. Yeah. So we did a, um, a back-to-back retrieval, and we did, we retrieved, it was, I think it was right after Thanksgiving. I think it was the week after Thanksgiving. Um, Because we did not, um, because the COVID cases had spiked during that holiday season. Yeah. And we ended up, we did not go to um, any holiday celebrations because if we would have contracted COVID, it would have canceled our cycle. And, you know, that we just couldn't afford to take that chance. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was hard that that year, just staying, Mm -hmm. staying close to home and not seeing people. But um, we did a transfer in early December, and we found out right before Christmas that we were pregnant. Oh. And, I mean, very, very newly pregnant. And um, we ended up having to tell our family a little earlier than expected because we wanted to let them know the reason why we weren't coming around for for the holidays. Um, We felt that it was um, only, only right to tell them, um, be like, Hey, you know, we need to, I need to make these early doctor's appointments and I can't come down with COVID in this. This is very important. So we spent, um, the holidays kind of just very immediate family, um, mm-hmm. again, and got through that, got through our doctor's appointments and, um, you know, the pregnancy was, was good. We had, um, Again, I delivered early with him, five weeks early, and I had a son on um, Mm. July 24th. Oh. So now you have a boy and a girl. Yeah. So it, it, you just, it sounds like, and I want you to clarify this, it sounds like um, the pregnancy, once you got pregnant, you didn't have any miscarriages or anything, you didn't lose those pregnancies, it was just getting pregnant. Yeah, that was just getting pregnant. Yeah, and you just couldn't do that on your own. Um, and and so, well, that that's I guess good <laughs> for, yeah. for you. You didn't have all of those other things, thankfully. That's good. So and my body did not like okay. pregnancy though. At the oh, end. it didn't. So okay. because I developed preeclampsia with both of my oh, pregnancies. So, so. <laughs> I was just gonna ask, like both of them came early. Like, well, what was what was going on there? So preeclampsia. Yeah. So yeah. So I just started to develop high blood pressure. Um, it came on more suddenly with my daughter with my first pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. I just I went to a doctor's appointment and they didn't like my blood pressure and. Um, they sent me over to be assessed, and I was I was thirty, have thirty one weeks, almost thirty two weeks, mm-hmm. and then they ended up just admitting me because my type one diabetes. They wanted to give me steroids to help the baby's lungs in case she did come early. Sure. Yeah. And they uh, so in the course of getting the steroids, my blood pressure spiked. It spiked. It was one ninety two over like one hundred one. And so at that point, they're like, you're done. Like, we're Mm -hmm. going to keep you here on bed rest until 34 weeks and deliver then. And I was like, oh, this sucks. 
Yeah. I miss maternity pictures. Um, you know, I missed the last six weeks of my pregnancy. There so there was there was some grief involved in um So how many that. weeks were you there then at the hospital? Um, about a week and a half. Oh, so it wasn't too so that was with your her daughter or your son? Okay, my daughter. Yes. Okay. Okay. So with my son, um, I went to an ultrasound on a Friday. I was thirty five weeks with him. Okay. And he failed his, um, what is it called, the BPP, um, oh, I can't remember what, what, what it's called, biophysical profile, that's what it is, And because um, he wasn't doing his practice breathing. Mm. And so they sent me over to get assessed again, and they checked my blood pressure. And, of, of course, course it, was, it was high, um, and they didn't like that. So being 35 weeks, they automatically were like, you're done. Because any time after 34 weeks, they'll deliver. Because really, at that point, the baby's chance of survival without complications is very high. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no reason to put my body through any more. Um, yeah, jeopardize you. Yeah, yeah, the one it needs to to do. So um, they sent me over. They induced me that night, and the next morning, the next afternoon, um, I end up having an emergency C-section. Um, my son's umbilical cord prolapsed through my cervix, um, mm. causing us to be rushed back to the emergency room um, under a level one emergency C-section. So it means um, life or death to mother and child. Right. So that was that was pretty scary. Um, but he yeah. spent 16 days in the NICU um, working on things. And he is home now, almost seven months old and healthy and happy. Wow, that's that is exciting. That is, I'm so so happy for you guys. Yeah, so happy for you. Because well, it sounds like you know things could have been different. And thankful have, that yeah. thankful that they're not you know with your with your health you know as well as theirs. So you started to say, and and I wanted to make sure that we talked about this because I always like to ask everyone. You know, especially through infertility and also if there is loss. But with you in particular, with the infertility, there's just, you know, the stigma, the feeling very alone, the disappointment, you know, month after month, the waiting. There's just like, where did you grab support to help you through all of those difficult days? And we know that grief kind of goes along with that, too. Um that um, you grieve, you know, month to month sometimes when the period comes. So kind of share with us a little bit about where you found support and how was grief for you? Did you have so, it? Did you not? Like, where was it? I um, I found support online um, through okay. a Facebook group. And within that Facebook group, we there is um, a bunch of us, I would say, maybe – close to like 150 of us who were going through um, IVF right at the same time. Our due dates were all in, in May. Um, oh, my gosh. Early, in May, in May, maybe early June. Um, and so we kind of formed a subgroup off of that. And um, so we named it like IVF babies. Um, and so we had all of us in this little group together. And so we were all right around the same gestation. So we could share, like, what was going on, like, our genders, how we were feeling, and, you know, obviously, like, subsequent births. Um, And so the earliest baby of our group was born in February at 20, I think, six weeks. And then the Mm -hmm. latest one was born in 
June, I think at like 41 weeks. Um, wow. So she was like our last one. Uh, and then in between there, we all, everyone had babies at different times, you know, different gestations. Um, so we all were, and there's probably about a hundred of us left in the group that still really um, talk and we're friends. Um, we've met a few, a few of us who, if we found that we live near each other, um, we've met up. Um, and so we, we share our day-to-day lives. We have what's called Baby Wednesday, um, where we share a picture of, um, you know, our children and see, you know, weekly, see how they grow, which is really cool. And it's just, it's really nice to just have that support as all of our kids are now entering kindergarten this fall. So, oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So we just recently, <laughs> uh, we were talking about that, how, how time flies and we're registering our kids for kindergarten now. Um, and a lot of us have gone on to have, uh, you know, second, third, uh, four babies now. So it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a journey for all of us. And, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited that, you know, the internet's out there, Facebook is out there, you know, because it really connects you to, you know, other women going through the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I am very vocal about it on my own personal Facebook page. I wasn't at first um, due to respect of my husband, and um, he didn't really want to share a lot of what we were going through. But for me, it's um, it's healing. So it's, it's very healing to talk about it um, because a lot of people don't. It is very stigmatized because you're you're talking about a very intimate part of your life. Not you mm-hmm. know people don't talk about sex. You don't talk about you know infertility um, and you know things like that. It's just a very taboo subject. And you know you want to break that down. You want to you know show people that oh while you you know may or even may not have get a baby on on the other end, there's a whole realm and and um, world out there of people who are going through these treatments just trying, you know, to get the end result of yeah. having a healthy baby. Yeah. So yeah. some people just don't, you know, if you don't know someone who's going through that, you feel very alone. Um, so mm-hmm. I want to show people like, hey, I'm I'm a safe person. You can come to me and you can talk to me about this. Um, I'm, I've gone through it multiple times. So I just, well, I just want to make people aware of what we went through, you know, to get our children and how much of a blessing that they are and a miracle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you um, you guys first, you know, that Facebook is out there, social media is out there where your women can really find those other women that are going through the same thing and find them very quickly if they want to. Um, I think that is key years ago, you know, it was harder. Um, but I, I'm so grateful that that is, is available, you know, for, for women now. And it is interesting though. There's a lot of women that aren't, don't do social media because of that old thing, you know, like, uh, you know, time consuming, whatever they want to say about it. But with saying that and, and with saying that, it, there's so many good things, specifically this, where women can connect and find that support that they really do need. It is a very lonely um, journey, but to be able to mm-hmm. find that other person just for support, just to be able to talk to, you know, and I, right. uh, it, it's key. 
state. I'm very lucky that I have an amazing family, um, an amazing friend support network that sure. you know will support us and listen to us. But it's it's finding those who are going through the exact same thing you are is you know is there is super helpful. And I, you know, I would love to be that for someone um, who is going through that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the big reason, you know, for the podcast is just to be able to connect people together, to support each other, uh, to know that person is there for you, to to guide you and just encourage and and be an ear to listen or a, cry, a shoulder to cry on because it is a very difficult journey. Um, and a lot of times, you know, like I said, uh, indicated the grief kind of sets in and just be able with all grief, people really do need that person that they can um, talk to. Yeah. Uh, because with it, it's so emotional. There's so many emotions that go um, along with grief and along with infertility and along with loss that those emotions get um, they're like 10 emotions dropped on top of you all at the same time. And so uh-huh. to have that person that you can talk to, to, to kind of just weed through all of those emotions and work through them is so important. And so I'm glad yeah. that you found a group. It sounds like a great group. That it is. We have a lot so of fun. many of you at the, that were due at the same time or so close to the same time. That's cool. That's really neat. And to be able to still be connected with them, to share, you know, all of your journeys um, and, the, and the pictures of the kids. So now, did you at all, do you still have frozen embryos? I don't remember if you said how many have, with the last we have go two left. Okay. We have two that are still frozen um, from okay. our last cycle. Um, we haven't decided what we're going to do yet with them, so we're okay. we're just right now enjoying our little one, and um, we have a year to decide what we what we want to do. So we okay. we talk, but we're just we're not really sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know that we've had episodes you know about talking about that a little bit. That's a it's not an easy decision to to make. You know, yeah. if you're young enough and you want more children. That's that's an easy decision, but if you're not, you know, you're older or or can't go through, you know, a pregnancy again of yes. what to do with those embryos. It's a whole and other. And I had two very high risk pregnancies, very complicated, yes, traumatic birth. Um, so for us, you know, we're kind of inching towards that. Our journey is done. Um, you know, we have yeah. a boy and a girl, and we have two healthy kids. So you know, it's. But you still you still have those two embryos out there, so it's, yeah. it's it's a hard it's a hard decision. And yeah, there's options, you yeah. know. But to to um, it's still yes, like you said, a very hard decision to make. But so wait that out. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so you no have decision to, has to be made right away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for sure, talk about it. You know, periodically. But I do know um, how we got connected through social media. It just seems like that uh, local page, there's just so many options um, and women connected there. I remember someone just posting something recently about surrogacy and stuff like that. There's just uh-huh. there's lots of options lot out there for women. 
Yes. And, but it, it is, there are hard decisions that have to be made. And you kind of talked about part of that too with, we are very fortunate here in Illinois that there is insurance to help yes. with that process. A lot of states do not have that. And so, um, you know, just those, all of those decisions that have to, to be made um, to get, a, to have a family when we, when we were young women thought, mm, this is just, we were born to have other right. children to, yes. to reproduce and it just doesn't always work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times it doesn't work that way. So yeah. Lots of, lots of tough decisions, but as far as the, the listeners just know that we're here and that's why we're here. And that's why we're doing this podcast to help support um, you on your journey for sure. Yeah. So um, anything that we missed in your story that you wanted to share? I don't think so. I think okay. I pretty much covered it okay. all. <laughs> good, good, perfect. Um, so as we conclude, any words of advice? You've given some already, but any words of advice or encouragement for the listeners? I would say, you know, find, find your support network, um, mm-hmm. find, you know, find a group, find a person who you can talk to. Um, like I said, for me, it was, um, that group on Facebook was instrumental to, you know, just venting about things that I knew that they would understand because they were going through the exact same thing. So mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, a, a person that, you know, going through this, a group on Facebook or, you know, just anybody find, find somebody that, you know, understands what you're going through because mm-hmm. it will, it will be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sport is. We've talked about that numerous times during this episode, how important that support is um, for everyone. Because it, it, if the support's not there and it's not a strong support, and you talked about, you know, family is, is great, um, but they're not always, they're there to, to help and, and, and support, but they're, they don't fully understand yes. what you're going through. And there's no way that they can. You know, they've not experienced it. So to really find that support with somebody that truly, truly understands. And, and a combination of all of that is really, really important. Yes. And it will help with, um, you know, as a, as a grief coach, it will help with the grieving process if there's loss, if you have that support. And for me, as a grief coach, I really, I, I want, when I coach with someone, one of my very first questions uh, for them is, do you have support? Who is your support person? Mm-hmm. Because that is much needed for yes, sure. Absolutely. So I appreciate so much you coming on today, Rebecca, and sharing um, with me um, and with the audience to just help others that are going through it, to help them through their journey so that they're not feeling so alone. Um, every journey is different. Um, and I, I thank you so much for sharing yours with us. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed being able to share my story, and I hope, um, you know, it, it um, helps somebody by hearing it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you. What an amazing episode. An amazing story shared by an amazing woman. I love that word, amazing. 
Anyway, I kind of said that a lot right there. Um, thank you, Rebecca, for coming on and spending time with, with me today and sharing your story. I definitely have learned so much from you sharing today. I've been inspired by you and I want to take time for sure to share with others your story so that they can receive the same benefit that I received today. And I ask you, the listeners, to do the same, to share this podcast with those family members, friends, coworkers that you know that could great that could receive great knowledge and great benefit from Rebecca's story. So I ask that you share that in any way that it works for you um, through text messaging, through social media, whatever works for you. Just a couple of reminders of things as always. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, click that little link and subscribe because every week the stories are different. The journey is different. There's more information from experts and you won't want to miss um, any episode. So click the link. And then if you could take a couple minutes and just write a review on the episode, I would greatly appreciate that as well. It gives us the opportunity to push this podcast out further to more men, women that are struggling with infertility, our loss, so that we can help them. And then if you haven't yet done so, look for me on social media. We're in two different places on Facebook and Instagram. We are on Women Connect and Support. And Living After Grief is my grief coaching business. Different information on each of those platforms or each of those um, pages, but also on both platforms. So Facebook, Instagram, both of those. And at the top of the Facebook page, there is a link where you can click, where you can schedule a time to talk to me. I would love to, if you have not already, click that link, schedule a time. I would love to hear your story. I would love for you to share with me. And and if you don't have, if it's not a personal journey of yours, that maybe it's a friend or family member, I would love to still hear from you. I know from talking to my guests that when they share their story on the podcast or with me, that they just feel very heard and validated. And I just recently talked to several of them that it has just been so beneficial for them, kind of a healing for them to share their story on the podcast or just share it with me. And I do know this, that it always, when we share a story, it always inspires others and it gives others hope on their journey. I'm looking forward to being with you again next week. Until then, have an amazing day.